Well, I just was out of touch with who I, who I was as a young believer. You know, I'm not going to use the word disciple and get it all confused, but it really was the first time that I was trying to walk in any sort of faith. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. My name is Aldo Martin. And I'm Cousin Eddie. And together, we're going to explore what it's like to be in and leave a religious cult. For more info on the Reclamation Podcast, find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Aldo B. Martin. We're speaking with Chris today, and Chris is also a former member of the International Church of Christ. Chris, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Aldo. I appreciate it. Nah, thank you. Thank you for, for, for joining us. So I, I want to start in small bits, man. Please tell us a little bit about who you are today and what your, you know, what life is like for you today. Uh, today I'm married to uh, Christy, 27 years. That must, be conf- that, that must be confusing, though. What is that? Chris and Christy, like I don't know. It makes it easy for everyone else. We can't remember their name, but they remember ours. So it puts us in a tough spot. But uh, yeah, and we we met in the ICOC, uh, and we're there's not a whole lot that have come through it, and we're really glad we're still together and uh, and and faithful. And we have six kids now, which uh, is that's a whole nother big story. And we've moved around a lot. And uh, my career has done a lot of different things. I've uh, been a lawyer, and then I was in insurance for a while as an insurance manager for about a decade. And now I'm finishing up a decade of uh, long-term care, senior care. So I run a, um, a continuing care retirement community, all the different levels of care. And I just love it. You, you've, it seems like you've run the gamut uh, career-wise. <laughs> <laughs> it seems that way. So I want to go backwards, though. I want to okay. go backwards. Let's go. You mentioned the ICOC. Mm-hmm. When did you join and where? And maybe if you could tell us why. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, it's stuff I don't think about much. So the last couple of days have been good for me to have okay. it all bubble back up. So hopefully I remember everything. But um, And it's probably for a reason I don't think about it much. And even tonight, I was tempted to like, ah, oh, I don't want to do this. March Madness is on. It's a Friday <laughs> night. But then I thought of how much I would have loved to have heard my story from someone else at a different point and how it would have helped me. So here we are. I was in Los Angeles in my third year of law school, and I was very, very lost and confused. And uh, in the summer in between my second and third years was really I I I'm I'm I have an infatuation with years. Can you tell us the year? What was what My year bad. was the No, fair enough. 1991. 1991. It's a good year. It's a that's, good year. I'm, that's a good I'm year. living in uh on the beach in Los Angeles, doing the whole LA law image, pretty gross, just how much I wanted to be that whole thing. Yeah. And uh but didn't really want to be a lawyer, you know. I was just all LA image. And so anyway, um yeah, I uh, I just was trying to figure it out. You know, I was trying to get the Bible and figure it out. I was, I was felt like I was running out of time. Running so, out of time? Out of time from what? Before I got to real life, you know, I college and played college basketball. So I was in that bubble. And then I jumped in the law school bubble and was just scared of failing. And luckily, 
Time okay. out. Time out. Time out. Did you say you were playing college basketball? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Division one? Not barely. I shouldn't have been, but yes. You were Div- Division one ball player <clears throat> and law student? <laughs> and see, this is part, this goes to the story, though. Oh, you, why... <laughs> my man, you are sharp. <laughs> no, no, yeah, in the, in the ICOC, right? I'm a sharp, I'm a sharp guy. Yeah, I had yeah. a car, so yeah. Um, remember that, but uh, yeah, and that goes to why the arts media sports group of the LA Church, uh, you know, saw me and was like, "Whoo, you know, we got an athlete, and we got someone with some credibility, and, and you know, if we can get him to be part of our team, that'll that'll help us a lot." Yeah. And so I just met the greatest guys, though. I'm never going to, you know, put down the guys. I mean, the guys that helped me. I had a Puerto Rican dancer, a Rastafarian drummer, uh, a stand-up comedian, former soap actor, <laughs> a classical guitarist, all of the coolest guys ever. And so I was enamored with it. Like, this is really neat. You know, I'd never be friends with these guys. And... Um, and I, you know, started studying the Bible with them, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But yeah. that's a little bit of the time and where I was at. Are you originally from Los Angeles? No, I'm a Philly boy. So and this is on a this is on a whole different side of the country then for you. Yeah, and not a whole lot of friends out there. My, I moved out there to be close to my brother and his wife. Um, but besides that, you know, law school you make friends, but you're really just trying not to. You're trying to pass. I want. I want to I stay there. I want to stay in this moment of time for you. What, 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 an, you said you were enamored, right? I, I don't know if, uh, if, if, I think I heard that word, but you said you were mm-hmm. enamored with, with, uh, with the group. How did you become familiar with the group? Did somebody just approach you cold turkey? You said you were, you were, you, you were worried about running out of time before real mm-hmm. life began. So, mm-hmm. so how did this, cause that sounds like the crossroads, right? So how did you meet? Mm-hmm. Or link up with the ICOC? Yeah, so take it back a step. You know, through high school and college, uh, people, not ICOC, but just, I believe, more genuine, faithful people had been reaching out to me. And I'd been giving them the stiff arm, you know, too cool for school, don't have time for you, that kind of thing. And so then when I get to third year, almost third year law school, and one of my best high school buddies calls me out of nowhere. And he's in Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia church. And he says, Miller, I... Uh, I'm happier than I've ever been. And he reaches out to me over the phone and says, you got to go check out this church. Now, little did he know that I'd been trying to figure stuff out. And I was at a desperate point, like you said, a, a bit of a crossroads feeling that urgency. And so he got a phone number of, a, you know, of one of those guys I talked about. And I called him and, you know, visited the uh, Shrine Auditorium was the big venue out there in L.A. at the time. I don't remember if Kip was preaching that Sunday or. Who it might have been, but I was more like, wow, the the diversity of the group, the energy. um, It was really impressive. Yeah, for me, too. You know, I think for many of us, like a lot of us, when we came for that first Sunday service and you see the diversity and the energy, the youthful energy, you know, Mm -hmm. with with some some, you know, some 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 seasoned people sprinkled in between. But it was a very youthful energy, regardless of the coast. So you get to the Sunday service and then what happens? Well, you guys know the drill. Someone asked you to sit down and study the Bible. Now, for me, that was like, wow, I've been waiting for somebody to say that, <laughs> you know, because I didn't know where to begin. And 
you know, looking back on it, that's where I turned my, uh, my brain off, which I'm still, I'll be mad at myself the rest of my life. Because uh, here I am in law school, the irony of it all, you know, really trying to think critically and through things. And I don't ask the questions that I didn't realize told, you know, much later in life, uh, even the first, you know, study of discipleship is so off the way the Great Commission is, is used and quoted is, is really off. And, but I didn't, I was just so happy to have these people who obviously loved me and cared and uh, wanted to help and were incredibly sincere that I, uh, I trusted in a naive way that, you know, and I'm really super grateful for it because it's allowed me to be a different dad than I ever would have been. Uh, just teaching my kids to, you know, even if they screw up, never turn their brain off, just think through things, ask questions, which is good. I want to, I want to get back to that. Cause you mentioned two terms there, turned your brain off and naive. Mm-hmm. So explain why, because I know you mentioned that you were looking for something and then here you're, you're, you're love bombed for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you said you turned your brain off and naive. Can you expound on that a little bit? Well, you know, the Berean challenge is all about studying the scriptures to make sure it's true. And that's of noble character. And that's a great scripture. And, and it's used by the ICOC to almost in the legal world to remove the sting, to kind of take you out of thinking that you should do that. That almost makes you think you are doing that. You know, here you are. Oh, aren't you noble? And, uh, but I didn't. And I just was so looking for a father figure looking back on it. My dad had died when I was um, 19 in between my freshman and sophomore years of college. And my basketball totally went in the tank for the last three years. And I was still trying to figure out what the heck to do. So went to law school because I just didn't know how to grow up yet. And so when they came on the scene and I just saw father figures everywhere, uh, which was a humongous mistake and one after the other, you know, people are people, right? Disciples, quote unquote, you know, let you down. And uh, I had to learn that lesson over and over that, you know, God didn't want to be replaced by any one man or anyone up front, no matter how charismatic or cool they were. And so um, I'm going on and on here, Aldo. Bring me back to the question. No, nah, you're, you're good. I, I... <laughs> yeah, no, this is that, that's what was uh, the question. That, uh, that's ama- that's all amazing stuff. No, so we were just talking about how does it go from turning your brain off and being naive and and you were you you just described all the the external okay. factors, right? That would that would circle around somebody feeling that way. Uh, another detail I'd like to know, how old were you in 1991? 24. So 24, still young, right? Mm-hmm. Still young. Uh, Cousin Eddie, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh Chris was uh was converted in 1991. Is that is that Pearl Jam 10? 91 uh, is that Pearl Jam 10 would have been yeah per, that was Pearl Jam 10 may I ask you um had you had a, a good relationship with your with your parents up until your father's death yeah yeah it was wonderful my dad's death was just a super shock yeah so just trying to replace that that void yeah, yeah. for sure how, how long did it take you to get converted because we know you you we visit and then we go through this process of studying the Bible. How long mm-hmm. did it take for you to get converted? In their minds, three, I think it was three, three and a half weeks. 
That's you know, quick. I, yeah. Yeah. I was, I mean, and I was going to school during the day and even some nights at that point, just squeezing it in. Funny you're meeting in a Hollywood apartment, these guys. <laughs> it's just too funny looking back on it. I try to tell my kids I'm Mr. Hollywood. They don't think I'm lying. <laughs> The kids don't know about the glory days, man. My yeah. kids, my kids laugh at me. They think they really think that I'm not cool. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's why you need each other. You know, I'm like, are you kidding me? How you think I met your mom? How you think you got here? I had to be cool. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. You know so, what? That'll probably enter their minds when they're God in their thirties. Nah, man. I'm like, yo, you kids are bugging, man. I'm I'm cool. It's take I, a while. It is. So what was your level of commitment? Ooh. Oh, mine was hundred percent. So I, yeah, I finished up school miraculously. This is a whole nother side story, but I found out I had diabetes at the same time. At the same time of what? That I'm studying the Bible and I'm very unhealthy, you know, type one, I'm losing all this weight. I'm drinking all the time. I don't know what's going on. And, uh, and then I find I start treating that. And that was good in a humbling way. You know, that would like made me a real person. I was coming out of this, you can tell, just big man on campus thing, pretty bad. Even though I never really was a big man on campus, but I was one in my mind. And uh, so, and I was 100%. They asked me to, uh, you know, be a Bible talk leader within a month or two. They asked me to be a, whatever the next phase up was at within a month. Within a month of being baptized? A couple months. It was quick. You became a Bible talk leader in a couple months. I, I, I don't know. I felt like it. The only reason I say it is because, um, so that's October. I get baptized. And in May, they asked me to go full-time ministry. Well, hold on, hold up, hold up, wait, 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 wait. Way too up. fast. Wait, hold up. Way too fast. No, I just, I, I, I always do that when I need to confirm what I, what I thought I heard. Did you say you were baptized in October? End of October. Yeah. End of October, 1991? Yes. And then fast forward to May, 1992, you're now in the full-time ministry? Yep. Completely so, clueless and arrogant and conceited. Really so, bad we, situation. We, we, <laughs> we do have to ask one question, though. Where were you baptized? <laughs> I got a couple of good ones for you, but they're not mine. I was baptized in a pool, which was cool. Okay. Um, we were in California, 50, 75 people. And it was a party and it was very cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, but my favorite is uh, I went out to Washington, D.C. for four months and was in the ministry there. And um, we baptized a young uh, guy, I think Howard University, college guy. And, and it was February, January, February. We had to poke through the ice. Of the um, what do you call the pool? The reflecting pool, right between the um, monument and the what? That um, area. Yeah, in the in the mall. Oh the, my god, mall. that's you. that beats the mall. So we pulled up the car. We all had winter stuff on. There's three three of us and and the guy getting baptized. We ran through the snow. Uh, one guy stayed in the car keeping it hot, and the, one guy had a towel ready. And we poked <laughs> through the ice, put him under, throw him in the towel. Went back in the car, went back to his apartment and celebrated all night. That, that was pretty it's, cool. It's so funny because that area <laughs> is distance wise is so large that you could probably get away with anything. Yeah, there was anyone to be found. No. 
Okay, uh, there's there's a couple things to digest there. I mean, okay. what's more, what's cousin Eddie? What's more impressive? Is it baptizing him in the ice cold water or in the national monument reflection pool? Which I, I one? Think, I, think, I think that's it. The latter of the two. It's yeah, it's too. it's just you know, I don't know. It's it's like, it's like what you know when I told you that I had been up in the the, the catwalk of. MSG. It's it's like such a bizarre place to be, like of all places. Like that's, that's the one. one. <laughs> that's a story. That's a story. So, Chris, I'm going to rewind uh, before before we got into the uh, baptism escapades. No, nah, it's all good. So, you said you were in the staff or full time ministry, and for the audience who may not understand what we're talking about, we joined this church in hopes of creating a better life for ourselves. And when you're in the church, you're part of this large network of people. You're part of this large family. And the people that are in leadership are held in the highest regard. Christopher, am I, Chris, excuse me, Chris, am I exaggerating so far? No, it's really too, too, way too high of a regard. Way, way too high. And so the people who are in leadership are known as the full-time ministry. Because they are full-time employees of the church. Right. And, and they are who the rest of us aspire to be like. Mm. And if anybody says otherwise, you're lying. <laughs> or you just weren't really in it like that. Mm. And I mean no disrespect. No mm. disrespect. And in order to get into the ministry, like people worked at it. There were people that worked for years and wanted that for years, right? So here you are, and you get it in a few months. And one of the words you mentioned was, it made you conceited? Oh, yeah. Please explain. <laughs> well, I just was out of touch with who I, who I was as a young believer. You know, I'm not going to use the word disciple and get it all confused. But it really was the first time that I was trying to walk in any sort of faith, you know? So I really look at my conversion as having happened maybe two weeks into that series, uh, you know, and really giving my life over and then just waiting for all the other stuff to occur, you know, the church study and counting of the costs and tithing and baptism. I was like, whatever, I just want to, you know, walk as best I can and, and live this life. And I, you know, I felt like a new creation. And so, but man alive, I just was so clueless. And uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm up there speaking and teaching. Are you kidding me? And there's these other, you know, wonderfully mature people uh, who, um, yeah, they were part of this movement, if you will, but they, they still were so much more spiritually mature. And the LA church was just young and ambitious. And so I was in with all the, the big leaders you know, so before I know it, I get sent off to Washington, D.C. to be the right hand to the main guy out there. And I'm only, darn it, a year and two months old, year and three. I mean, and I just fell on my face so bad. Are you at, at, at this time? Are you is this like a, a making money thing at, at, at that level or are you ha are you accepting a position on a different coast and having to set up a whole new life all of a sudden. No, they just met my needs money wise. Um, so it wasn't about that. I wasn't definitely wasn't ready to take the bar and, and practice law. I really had no interest in that. 
but, so, but but the church said, "Hey, come come out to this coast, and we'll we'll pay you." Oh no, I was already there. Oh, so, oh I see. What you're yeah, saying. I was already yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought I thought you would. They they asked you to come back to Washington or something. Well, they did. Yeah, I know. About nine months, so I started up in LA. Ah. Uh-huh. Started the ministry there in May, and I want to say February or March of the next year. Uh, so, if if I can. If I can maybe connect the dots here. So I, I think, Cousin Eddie, what you're asking is, so when he got hired in L.A. as a full-time minister or full-time staff member, it's his job now to, you know, to preach and to teach all those other things. Yeah. But he is also expendable in the sense that he can be sent somewhere else, relocated. You follow what I'm saying? So they not, just not, not for like a week, like for, for like you got to find new housing and stuff. Oh yeah, it was it was supposed to be, you know, kind of you felt like it was forever. Oh wow. But I think one of the things that I realized later was so I'm not only arrogant and conceited just by nature to begin with, <laughs> but now the diabetes was meant to humble me a little bit, but it didn't get a chance <laughs> because now I'm getting lifted up in this LA church and then I get sent off to DC and I'm just I'm a fool, you know? And so uh-huh. I go back to LA after four months of that. And that was the first time I was like, what the heck am I doing? I just do not know what I'm doing. Why, why, why like, did, why did DC not work out? What, what was, what did you feel like you were a fool for? Yeah. Thank you. That's what I was trying to get to. Oh, um, sorry. No, 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 no. I forgot. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I need all the help I can get. <laughs> I'm older than you. So help me out. Was uh, uh, my, I hate to overuse the word arrogance, but I just really thought I had something figured out because I was from L.A., Uh, the the big church, right, where all the big leaders are. And who are you in D.C.? Oh, man. I've honestly it's it's uh, although before you go, I real quick, I've had that just from living in New York City alone. I I mean, for (laughs) a long time, I was I was oddly. dismissive of, of my friends back home and, and dismissive of families and stuff like that. And I'm like, why would you never want to leave? Like, like I went to the big city and, you know, finally one day my mom was like, maybe they wanted to just have a family and be happy like that. And I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I was very, but I've, I've had the same feelings about being in the city in New York city alone. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So the DC leader just after four months just said, well, you go back. And I said, "Oh yeah, I will." <laughs> I was oh, okay, so wait, wait, hold, hold on, hold on. I wanna, I wanna yeah. stay there. I, I hold on. I wanna stay. I didn't know we were gonna go to DC. I wanna <laughs> stay there. I wanna stay there because I wanna provide some more context for your situation, for for cousin Eddie and and for the audience who who may not understand this. So Chris got converted in Los Angeles in the early 1990s. If I'm not mistaken. The leader of the church relocated from Boston to Los Angeles at around the same time. I don't know if it was a little after or before. Before, a couple years before. Okay. And now Los Angeles is the headquarters of this worldwide movement. And because the leader is there, I think there was also a pressure on Los Angeles to really... Oh, God, I can't believe I'm going to use this word. And I haven't used this word in about 20 years. (sighs) It was incumbent upon the membership to crank it up. <laughs> yeah, look at you, Chris. I see you. Oh, for the man. audience, for the audience, 
Chris <laughs> just reclined back and slapped his his hat. He's like, I just in went dis- back. I went back like ten years in my therapy. I'll send you the bill. <laughs> Crank it up, baby. Crank it, brother. Oh, there we go. There we go. So, so now, so now, at the same time, though, cousin Eddie, and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just, I'm just going based off of what I remember. The LA church is growing rapidly, so they're baptizing a lot of people at a very fast clip, and so Chris is not the only one who is baptized and then rushed into leadership exactly you know he's he's part of this machine that's being constructed and chris i know you can speak for yourself but from my perspective it seems as if you were just part of the cog or a cog in the machine so so this is how so this is how fast it's it's growing and so now chris is in the full-time ministry in just a few months and then you get sent to dc yeah. And you said you 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 clashed with the leadership in DC in DC? Not really. I never gave him a chance. How I do you mean? Just, I was just so critical and thought I had so much figured out. And uh the leader in DC was uh you know really mature. I mean he had his own issues with ICOC leadership, I'm sure. Um, but you know, he was just a mature brother that I could have learned a lot from. And I just never gave him a chance. I thought what, I was what, smarter than him. What were you critical of, if you remember? Um, just like of spending time with people and just, just wanting numbers, you know, and, and just hardcore authoritative, you know, you, you got to produce uh, as far as Bible studies and baptisms and that kind of stuff. And while LA was young and growing, uh, like you said, I was fortunate to be in the arts media sports, which was probably by far the most liberal of the groups in LA. And so the most relational, if you will, also most emotional, <laughs> you know, we were a mess and we were a wreck and we knew it. And so to go to DC where it was a lot more conservative and just, just get it done, you know, kind of thing was, was tough on me. So, so, so uh, the LA was, was a lot more Hollywood. <laughs> the part I was in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, we, <laughs> and then, uh, and then of course, uh, you know, uh, Washington is more business, like, you know, like exactly. politics. <laughs> That's right. I was right near the Capitol and had a Capitol Hill ministry and didn't even know what to do. And all of a sudden yeah. I'm trying to act like I know politics. And months before that, I tried to act like I knew music and acting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of it. I was thinking about it just today. We would have these uh, in Hollywood, really cool, you know, uh, events, classic music being played, you know, with lights around on a rooftop. and But it was just a big uh, charade, you know, to wow. get people in relationships so you could study the Bible with them. Yeah. And we even bought the, uh, we bought the former China Club in Hollywood. Uh-huh. So we could brag about that. Yeah. We called it the Upside Down Club. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, time out. Wait, what? I heard about the Upside Down Club. It was, it was an actual place? Next time on The Reclamation. And that's the same thing, although, as you know, like in leadership meetings after Sunday, all that pressure comes out on the leaders to perform better 